This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, June 26, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Seattle. Today on the show, the giants grow larger in our annual rank of global auto suppliers. Bank of America's Car Wars predicts the Detroit 3 will close in on Tesla's EV share. And GM raises the starting price of the Chevy Silverado EV. Plus, we'll hear from Dan O'Dowd, a prominent software safety expert and one of the chief critics of Tesla's automated driving software. If you were observing a driver doing this, your only conclusion is they're drunk. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Automotive News' annual ranking of the world's biggest original equipment suppliers shows a dramatically evolving reality for the industry. Despite three years of auto production mayhem, many parts companies are growing thanks to an emphasis on new technologies. The makers of components for electric vehicles, particularly battery producers, are making rapid incursions into the industry's top ranks. The 2023 ranking makes it clear that even in an era when automakers and Tier 1 suppliers are tapping into small startups for innovation solutions, the giants are continuing to get bigger. Bosch is still the world's largest auto supplier with global sales of $50.5 billion in 2022, up from $49 billion a year earlier. It's followed again by Denso, which added about $4 billion in global sales, and Zeta Friedrichshafen, which grew by about $3 billion. You can see our full ranking of automotive suppliers in this week's print edition of Automotive News or at autonews.com. The next four years might be, quote, some of the most uncertain and volatile for product strategy ever. That's according to Bank of America's annual Car Wars report. The study concludes that new electric vehicle launches, uncertainty around ICE launches, and a challenging macro environment will shape the automotive industry's product pipeline from 2024 to 2027. The study predicts EV market share overall will grow significantly as legacy automakers grow their EV offerings. It says EV sales in the U.S. could grow from 1.6 million in 2023 to 4.6 million in 2026, with penetration growing from 11% to 26% over that period. As legacy automakers race to produce new EV models, Tesla's share of that segment could tumble from 62% in 2022 to 18% by 2026. The study says Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis could be the biggest incumbent winners. The least expensive version of the Chevy Silverado EV will cost more than the $40,000 price previously touted by General Motors when it goes on sale in 2024. Chevy officials said economic and supply constraints over the past 18 months have affected pricing. The brand did not disclose the new starting price. Chevy tells us at Automotive News that the lowest price Silverado EV still will offer more range than the base models of rival electric pickups and be competitively priced when it goes on sale next year as a 2025 model. And Aston Martin has struck a strategic supply agreement for high-performance EVs that will see Lucid getting a roughly 3.7% stake in the UK automaker. As part of the agreement, 
Aston Martin will issue about 28 million new ordinary shares to Lucid, which will also get phased cash payments, totaling an aggregated value of about $232 million. The two automakers have a common shareholder in Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Aston Martin said today that access to Lucid's current and future powertrain and battery technology will be at the center of its all-new in-house EV platform. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Automotive News just released its annual ranking of OEM suppliers, with Bosch still at the top spot. Have suppliers been able to recoup at all this year? Yeah, for sure. You know, the last couple of years have been pretty rough on suppliers. It was interesting to see uh, the biggest players still growing in 2022. This year, we're seeing a, a lot more steady production throughout the entire value chain and, and should see a lot more suppliers kind of getting healthy, getting back on their feet and getting their cash flows and balance sheets back in order. Gotcha. Coming up, software safety expert Dan O'Dowd has some words about Tesla's automated driving technology. That's next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process steel jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit rayray.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Dan O'Dowd is the CEO of Greenhill Software, where he's pioneered the use of software and safety-critical applications over the years. His projects have included the Boeing 787, nuclear bombers, and NASA space vehicles. O'Dowd is the founder of the Dawn Project, an organization that identifies how poorly written software has left power grids, hospitals, gas pipelines, and water plants all vulnerable. The Dawn Project's primary focus right now is addressing and testing Tesla's driver assistance software. O'Dowd has emerged as one of Tesla's chief critics, and he's concerned that CEO Elon Musk has turned everyone in the traffic environment into guinea pigs with deadly consequences. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. When you start the Dawn Project, why is Tesla's autopilot and full stealth driving features kind of your first uh, first and foremost concern? They're not the foremost concern, but there's several reasons. One is, okay, how do I prove to people the power plant is vulnerable? Do I hack a power plant? Well, I'll probably get arrested for that. Um, uh, if I ask their permission, they'll probably say no. In fact, I already know I have asked their permission. And they say no. 
And I say, so you know your systems are vulnerable. And then they throw me out of their office and say, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to talk to you anymore because all you're going to do is tell me that my systems aren't secure. And I do not want to hear that. Right. I don't want to hear that. So they don't want to change. Um, and and none of these big infrastructure systems like that, they, they, they have built what they built. They don't want to change it. Tesla is easy because, one, it is truly, the I think, the most egregious thing I've ever seen. I ask this question of people who know nothing about software development. I say, if you were designing the software for a self-driving car, let's say that was your job, would you put the part about doing do not enter signs, right? Like you've got to recognize, you got to see what's it look like. And, you know, it, you know of course, they can be pointed in funny directions. They get mud on them too, right? It's, you know, you, would you, you'd write some software to figure out what do not enter sign looked like. And would you put that before you sent it out to 400,000 people or after, I mean, in your scheduling process here, where would you put that? Everybody's, they almost, they usually laugh. I, I was going to say, but, I hope, I hope they either laugh or, or come up with the answer of, of before it ships. Tesla shipped it to 400,000 people on Thanksgiving. Of the last year, it doesn't know what a do not enter sign is. We actually polled that. We went out and pulled it. And we said, if somebody had a full self-driving car that did not understand do not enter signs, should it be banned from the market immediately? 90, no, the 87% of the people said yes. And <laughs> there's a few I don't knows. <laughs> Nobody thinks it's a good idea. Tesla did it. They've done this over and over and over again. This product is nowhere near engineered. They haven't even thought through a whole lots of critical problems. It literally can't drive straight most of the time. It screws that up. I, just, I was driving two days ago and it just, just I was, I remarked that. Let's drive down this straight road. It's like a, a mile straight road. What did it do? At one point, it jerked the wheel to the left and then back to the right. I don't know why. It slammed the brakes on for no reason at all. What does this look like? If you if you were observing a driver doing this, your only conclusion is they're drunk. I mean, this is what drunk drivers do. They get confused. They get halfway through an intersection and they're turning and then they, oh my God, what was I supposed to do? And then they whip the steering wheel back and they try to undo it. And then they then they go around it again. That's what it does, like repeatedly. <laughs> So I want to split this hair from the start here. Are you specifically concerned about Tesla or also other driver assist systems from other car manufacturers? Well, anything that has the poor characteristics that, that full self-driving has, which is roughly you, you're lucky to go 10 miles without it putting you in a dangerous spot. Um, but that's not true of the other, the other people doing it, like Waymo and Cruz, they go 10,000 miles, you know, before they need a human intervention with their products. They are actually driverless right now. There's hundreds of them that are on the roads right now and there's nobody driving them and nobody real-time monitoring them either. Um, and they're not getting, they're not killing people and they're, you know, they, they've had minor accidents here and there, um, but they're, they're generally fairly good. Tesla, the reason why I chose Tesla, one, I can buy one, right? And, and I can put, and I can test it and I can show you or anybody else, get in the car, sit down there and just drive it. It'll, it will go past the school bus with the lights flashing. Um, it doesn't have any problem. It will run over a kid in a crosswalk. 
it'll blow between a do not enter sign so it, and end up going the wrong way on a one-way street that says do not enter, doesn't see the sign, it drives right through. So it's easy to demonstrate the failure and, and it is widely dispersed and they're being totally irresponsible about sending it out to 400,000 consumers before they even put in a lot of the features. Uh, you're going to have an event where you test some of these features and, and showcase them. Uh, what exactly are you going to be uh, demonstrating? Well, we are. Um, we will be showing the car doing various things. We've we've secured a location. We have actually got a real school bus. We went and we rented a real school bus, and it comes with a real school bus driver. And we're going to go on a real road right next to a real school that has a real crosswalk in front of it. And we're going to want one of our tests. We're going to send a, a Tesla with full self-driving on, and it's going to go right past that school bus with all the lights flashing. And then the kid who got off the bus simulated with a little mannequin is then crossing the road down a ways on a crosswalk and it's going to go right past that bus and it's going to go right through that that mannequin it doesn't see the mannequin sometimes it sees it but it's too late I and mean, at the very last second it might realize oh my god but it's it's going to hit the mannequin and then it keeps driving then it just drives along it's it's really it's unbelievable to see it do that well it's interesting um, you mentioned that dan because i think uh, there's obviously the a big Washington Post story within the last two weeks um, about uh, Tesla Autopilot having 736 crashes, uh, resulting in at least 17 fatalities since 2019. Uh, and one of the crashes that they spotlighted was was one that was exactly that sort of school bus scenario that that was not a test. It was real life where a, a kid got off a school bus. Um, the the school bus stop sign was out. And and the Tesla vehicle drove around that, so it's very much a, a real life scenario that you're uh, that you're testing here, right? And we made we put a full page ad in the Wall Street Journal seven months ago saying that we had tried this, and it and that's what it did. And we said Tesla, when are you going to fix it? We went to NHTSA to the government and said, when are you going to make them fix it? It didn't get fixed in February. We built it. We made a Super Bowl ad and we showed it on the Super Bowl ad to show people look at what it will do and they still haven't done anything about it then the kid gets hit that was after the super bowl that was in march and here we are in june and three months later they still haven't fixed it. we just tested it yesterday it still isn't fixed they've never said when they're going to fix it in fact it appears tesla's real story is that's fake that it won't do that our car will not do that it will do it but i will show any reporter who wants to come here they can use their own car they can rent a car they can use our car i don't care put you in the driver's seat. I'll take my hands off and you just go and it will do it. I, I We've done it hundreds of times. I'm curious, The you know you mentioned the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and, and obviously they've conducted a lot of investigations into autopilot and full self-driving. Uh, the quote that stuck out to me in the Washington Post story from a, a NHTSA spokesperson was, Essentially, that all driver assistance systems require the human driver be in control, fully engaged, and that state laws hold the driver responsible. So is it is it not good enough to say, hey, this is a driver assistance system uh, use at your own risk? Well, no. The first problem with that is you may have decided that you're going to take that risk, but none of the people on the road, none of the pedestrians and the children and the, and the responsible and maybe somewhat less... Uh, you know, uh, crazy people uh, didn't, they didn't approve that. They never signed up. 
Um, so that's not that's not a valid that's not a valid model. Dan, I'm curious if you have a you know concern overall with driver assistance systems that you know as you just described maybe even if they're they're good ones um you know you need this driver monitoring system that seems like a crutch to ensure the the motorist is there to be re responsive at you know within a, a microsecond uh should we just wait on all this technology until we have something that is capable of driving the car and eliminates the the role of the human driver or is it possible to have this kind of human machine collaboration in a in a better setup i think that you i i think that that it's probably best not to rely on the driver because what you you fall back to the same old position the irresponsible driver and the drunk driver and the tired driver all of a sudden it's the same problem you're not really gaining anything because they have to be alert and with full self driving is worth it will do stupid things but there are some good things like there's there's lane there's lane departure warning that's really not a bad thing it goes beep beep if you don't hit the turn signal and you start going over the line it starts beeping at you that says maybe you're falling asleep or you're not paying attention i think that's nothing but a positive um, there's blind spot detection again you start moving your car towards the other lane it looks it could sees there's somebody in the blind spot it goes beep 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 i mean it it tells you don't do it again nothing, I think nothing but a positive. If you could get it right, and it's been a problem, forward emergency braking, if it sees a vehicle, you're going 50 miles an hour and it and that vehicle is too close, and you're gonna smack into it and you don't hit the brakes in time, and it does, I think that's, again, a very big positive. As long as you don't get a lot of phantom braking, that is where it breaks when it shouldn't brake, and that's a that's been a problem. Uh, most of the systems that are sensitive enough that detect the proper amount of danger also have these false warnings, and th that's actually and that's dangerous. People will say, "Well, he slammed, you know, the, it slammed on the brakes, and someone hit him from behind. It's the guy behind's fault." Yes, but if some guy goes out on the road every single day and gets into the fast lane and then slams his brakes on as soon as somebody gets near him and smashes into him and he does it again the next day, that's that's not legal, right? And that guy's gotta go to jail because he is, you know, it may be true that those people are too close, but you intentionally caused an accident by slamming your brakes on and for no good reason. So I really don't think that argument really holds up either that um, the the false braking, the phantom braking is, is an actual safety problem because you will cause accidents that would not otherwise happen if the driver, there's nothing there. I don't know why it just sometimes decides to just slam the brakes on and does it all the time. Dan O'Dowd is CEO of Green Hill Software and the founder of the Dawn Project. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Abigail Hamm and Lindsay Van Hulley for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on innovation and technology, suppliers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow when Cox Automotive Chief Economist Jonathan Smoke discusses the outlook for the second half of 2023. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 